I want to talk about seeing the kingdom of God because we are in such a time of outpouring and uh, visitation, and sometimes we don't understand, and I, I was, my brain wants to just do a, a big series on the Gospel of John, but my spirits tell me I need to talk about the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is something we live in, something we don't understand, and something that if we do, it gives us a lot of confidence that our experience, as strange as it may be, is normal. All right. Maybe not for everyone. Okay, so Father, we thank you for the wonderful mystery and the dynamic and the power and the promise of the kingdom of God. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal it and release it in our lives in a dynamic way that changes things in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, you know, I call this seeing the kingdom because... Uh, Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was asking him about what he was doing and who he was, and he was asking him deep questions, and Jesus just kind of almost interrupted him because he, you know, he understood the question behind the question. Like, Nicodemus wanted to know what was going on, and he said, Nicodemus, it's like this, amen, amen, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God which was like, what? <laughs> you know, and uh, so then this went on. And so there's something that we need supernatural intervention to be able to see the kingdom of God. In other words, we need the kingdom of God to enter our life in order to see what's happened to us. The good thing is that God takes the initiative. All right, so, but I, you know, I, I heard about the kingdom of God and sang about the kingdom of God before I had any idea what it meant. Uh, when we were just brand new, maybe we weren't even Christians yet, we were going to these Jesus people meetings and they're with their guitars and maybe a, once in a while a conga drum, they would sing this chorus from Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the old baby boomers can hum the tune. And, and all these things shall be added to you. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Anyway, but it... But that stuck in our heart and we would go around humming it and singing it because it was simple and singable. And even though I, to tell you the truth, I didn't know what the kingdom of God was and I didn't know what his righteousness was in, in any kind of depth, I had an idea, but it, it made us feel good to sing it because, and it was something the Holy Spirit was doing as we were re rehearsing and worshiping with these words of life, words of scripture, holy scripture. So how many know the word is alive? And so even though we're singing it, we don't know what it means, but we're releasing it into our life and into the world around us. So I want us to have some comprehension. Here's what the kingdom of God is. And it actually, if you turn to Matthew 6, which I just referenced, We'll see the context is, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been talking about birds and uh, lilies and telling everybody, don't worry, be happy. God loves you. He's going to take care of you. And then, then in uh, verse 31, he says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These are common questions people ask. What do we do with our finances? You know, maybe the globalists are going to take over the economy and everything's going to go digital and then they'll control our money and shut us down and we better get, you know, gold and groceries and all this stuff. And, but 
Do you understand? Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Be wise, but don't be anxious. Why? Because they're not in charge. They think they are, and you're being propagandized and programmed that they are, and we need to be alert to the things that are real dangers, but not exaggerated or be anxious. Just saying. Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, because it's normal, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You have a Father who knows you need them. And then it says, but seek first, that means it's of prime importance, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everything you're worried about, God's already got it covered. And therefore, verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, don't project your worries into the future. Give that. In fact, doesn't Peter say that we take all our anxieties and we roll them to the Lord and he takes care of us? It's just... Okay, so, but it's, it's a little like, well, what is the kingdom? We'll get there. Well, first of all, the thing is the kingdom is a mystery, and it doesn't mean it's like a Agatha Christie mystery or a, a whodunit. It, it means it's, it's, the Greek word is mysterion, and it means something that we cannot understand unless it's revealed to us. And so the ESV uh, translates it as secret, um, reading Mark 4.11, Jesus is speaking in parables, and his disciples say, why are you telling stories? And he said to them, to you has been given the secret, or New King James says, for you has been given to, that you may know the mystery, which the, this is the mysterion of, of the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, I love the message that Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. He kind of, he puts a, a very interesting slant on this out of the message. Maybe they can put it up on the screen. <laughs> message, uh, Mark 4.11. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, he told them, you have been given insight into God's kingdom. That's that they would know the mystery. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories creating readiness, nudging them toward receptive insight. So, so there's a reason these parables are meant not to totally obfuscate the kingdom, but to cause people to be curious, to say, well, seeing, we're not seeing, hearing, we're not hearing, and if we don't, we can't turn and repent and be healed, and, it, and it's actually not to shut them out, but it's to draw them in. This is how the rabbinical teaching style... Okay, so, so let's see. It's a mystery. It, tra it transforms our outer life, which are worried about the circumstances, and it transforms our inner life that we're not anxious. You know? So it, the kingdom of heaven is God's reign, and it's an event that it enters into this world, and it penetrates the darkness. Okay, so it's a mystery. It has to be revealed. Holy Spirit, reveal the kingdom of heaven to us. This is our prayer. Just You can be a great scholar, a great theologian, but you can't understand it without divine intervention. 
This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, you can't see it unless you're born again. And he said, well, what does that mean? You know, what it means is this is a a secret. (laughs) This is a mystery. It's the hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And nobody, none of the rulers of this age understood it or they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They would have said, wait a minute, this is a big problem because the kingdom starts with the seed. And even though it looks like we're winning, we're losing. And the cross was the judgment on death and hell in the world system. Um, Thank God for you, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has never entered into human imagination, God has prepared for those who love him. So, um, thank you. Now, isn't it strange, we pray for it to come, but we don't understand what it is. <laughs> like, what? You know, this is the Lord's Prayer, still in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, which means that we want your name to be sanctified, set apart. May people reveal and revere all that is in your name. And we don't have time to go into that, but he's, his name is above every name. And, uh, but then the very next line is, your kingdom come. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Anybody here never played the Lord's Prayer? If you haven't, we'll all stand up and pray it together. It, I mean, it's, but we do it all the time. If, if, you're, you know, if you go to mass or something, you're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer together, but maybe have no idea what it means. All right, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and, we, and we say it and we don't know what it means. We're just kind of like this vague idea. But the kingdom of heaven, like if we're, you know, if, if we are told pray like this, it must be important. And it must be, like, would you say, you know, would we pray for a gorilla to come and his will to be done? Would we pray for a famine to come and his will to be done? Would we pray for, so the kingdom of God must be good if we're told to pray for it. And, and so what is it about the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So wherever the, Holy, wherever the kingdom is, the Holy Spirit is. And we have to have the Holy Spirit or we're not gonna get the kingdom. And it tells us the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about like our, our, our personal disciplines, though they are important, or our personal convictions, although they, they're important and hopefully they're true. And, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Now again, when we were young and we were saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I really didn't know what righteousness was. I thought it must be how good he is, how perfect he is. But righteousness is the interpersonal relationship commitment within the kingdom of God. God is righteous and he calls us to be righteous. Righteous, we, in our minds, we think it means keeping every single rule, and that is true, but he, he makes it simple for us. He gives us two rules. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two rules are harder than the, the 613, you know, dec- <laughs> regulations that are part of Orthodox Jewish faith. But if, if someone could keep all of those 613 regulations, it would bring them to a place of seeing the kingdom of God. But Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for us, and then he gave us the heart of the whole thing. And so righteousness does something. It says it's righteousness 
The, the Hebrew word is sedekah, and it releases peace, shalom. Shalom is the, the manifestation in the world around us of the righteousness of the kingdom of God in our heart. The, the shalom is nothing, shalom is restoration, shalom is supernatural, shalom are the, is the conditions of Eden which may, may not be visible but at least to start to be internal and what the, the internal reality that you cultivate will, will shine around you. Arise, shine. When you shine, there's transforming power release. And I'm not talking new age. I'm just saying this is the kingdom of God, that it's righteousness and it's peace, shalom. It's not just an absence of war. It's the presence of everything good. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything the way it was meant to be. And it's eternity in our hearts. Righteousness Sedekah, shalom, and joy. And joy is, it becomes the internal set state of our personality in the kingdom of God. That, have you ever had the joy of the Lord and it doesn't make any sense? You ever have people say, why are you so happy? Anne, was, Anne went, to, went to a dental appointment and she walked in and, and to tell you the truth, there's a little anxiety about going to the dentist, especially when you get to a certain age, you know you have things that you fixed in the past and they're falling apart now, and you know all, you, you see you might hear some bad news. And she walks in, and the, the the wife of the dentist said, "Why are you so happy?" Isn't that what she said? Something along that line. And she was like, "I didn't know I was happy, but you know, there's a radiant joy inside you, <laughs> right?" That, you know, it's a flag that flies over the castle of our heart when the king is in residence there. Love, joy, peace. <laughs> you know, okay, so righteousness, peace, and joy, and it's in the Holy Spirit. It's not just that we become like extra happy, positive thinking people, but we've got the creator and the positive person inside us. So, but they also, and I didn't write this in my notes, but in in. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he said, the kingdom of God is not only in word, but it's also in power. There's power dynamic to transform in the kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God touches you, you change. The kingdom of God is an event. It's an intervention. You ever hear of, you know, like somebody's got like a lot of problems that they're unaware of or they can't, you know, they're in denial. And so the people around them get together and they have, what is it called? It's called an intervention. Right? Is that what it's called? All you 12-steppers, one-steppers, whatever you are. But we've heard of this in our culture. And it's like, so, so God comes and surrounds us with his love, and he intervenes. Like, we think we're fine. I'm fine, fouled up, insecure, neurotic, and emotionally disturbed. But the, uh, I cleaned up the first word. But, the, uh, but it's like, we say we're fine. What it means is I have no clue. But I don't want to talk about it. And God comes in intervention to bring righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're going to now. So the king is important, and, it, and it's the first thing that Jesus announces. Matthew 4, 17, when he begins his public ministry, uh, from that time Jesus began to preach, which means to declare, to announce, to herald. It's not... Like we think of preaching like you go and you sit down and you have a sermon, but he was going as a, like a, 
one announcing there's a new kingdom. And he says, repent, change the way you think, change everything you think about yourself and the world. This is the meaning of repent, it's deep, in such a way that it's gonna change the way you live because the kingdom of God is at hand. It has just drawn near. See, and it's gonna swallow up the world. The world is still under the sway of the evil one, but the world is passing away. Just read the little tiny letter called 1 John. You know, it's in there. The world is passing away. The world's, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, all that stuff, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're all passing away. They're decrepit. But the kingdom is advancing. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. Hey. Oh, they did? Oh, let me see. Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, see, there's the kingdom of heaven. It's drawing near. Now, the... Well, it's already, but it's not yet. And, uh, you know, it's here. It's not completely here. It's alive and increasing, and it's indestructible. Meanwhile, the world system, called the cosmos in Greek, and it, that's why you don't want to read Cosmo magazine if you're a girl, uh, or, or if you're not sure where you are. And, and then, but it's fallen. It, it is passing away, it's decrepit and derelict, and there's nothing that's being fixed in the world because it was judged at the cross, the world system. All right, is everybody happy? Okay, I'm happy. All right. The other way to show that would be like a Venn, you know what a Venn diagram is? Like, like here's the circle of the world, and then you have this other circle that just, but it's in motion. See, it's not just like, touching it, and there's this little sweet spot, but the spot is getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it swallows it up. Death swallows life, okay. Now, so um, it's already here, but it's still coming. You know, when he was talking to the disciples, even after he was resurrected, he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. You know, and it's like, that was his topic. Acts 1-3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, which you would think, wait a minute, at, the, at conception, <laughs> you know, Gabriel told Mary, he'll sit on the, he'll save his people from his sin, he'll sit on the throne of his father David, that sounds like the kingdom. And then the wise men came in Matthew chapter two, and they said, where's he who is born the king of the Jews? Even at, at his death, Pilate said, behold, your king. You know, and they wrote it on his cross. He was the king. But, and by what we thought was a terrible mistake was what he knew he had to do. When he rode the, the foal of a donkey into Jerusalem and everybody was shouting Hosanna and throwing palm leaves down before him, he knew, I am coming as king, what you don't understand. You, no one here, not even the rulers of this age, understand the warfare that I'm about to enter into and that I will single-handedly dismantle death. I will abolish death and I will release life and immortality to light. You know, and he knew he had to do it. And on the cross, he knew he had to do it. And he did it. And when he said, it is finished, it was finished. Come on. His work, his, his atoning work, and the kingdom came at another level. You know, it was already in the world, but then it came to another level at the cross. And, but he's telling them that, you, guys, I need you to stay 
In verse four, Acts chapter one, verse four, while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me that John baptized with water, but you will now be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, if you're a King James person, not many days from now. And so the kingdom would come again in, to a greater degree at Pentecost. It's like it keeps getting bigger because then the church would be covered with power. And so that it comes into Greece. It came, you know, it, it was there in the beginning. It was there in the garden. When the, when the serpent deceived Eve and Adam sinned and we all died, God came and spoke to the serpent. He said, well, serpent, I got news for you <laughs> that one day the seed of the woman will crush your head. You'll, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He was talking about a kingdom. And then the king came, took, and then... <clears throat> There's the resurrection, and then there's Pentecost, and the kingdom is still coming and will continue to come until the parousia, until Jesus returns the second time, and then we, we move into this amazing thing that, that there's a new creation that comes down out of heaven, prepared as a bride for the husband. It's like, wait, I'm, I'll show you, behold, a new heaven and a new earth, and then he describes this holy city, Jerusalem, coming down as a bride, prepared for the bridegroom, so it's talking about the people, and very interesting that it's going to continue to come. And so I, I want you to take some notes here. I'm gonna, these are, it's already here, but it's not yet complete, and there's implications of this. Number one, Jesus was the, the human embodiment of the kingdom, but it was both in his humanity and divinity, and that's what's in you. That's why you might think, like, who am I? Well, you are humanity, but you're hosting divinity. You're not divine, but the divine is in you. Not only that, you are human, and you're here on earth, but you're also in Christ. So you're in the Godhead, and your citizenship is in heaven. And there's this continual, uh, there's this continual thing that as the kingdom calls you, you set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, and you're transformed, beholding his glory in the face of Christ, who was human and divine. You, we become what we behold. Mike Bickle, probably other people said it. Revelation 1, 8, it's still coming. I'm the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and is to come. Wait, you, you is and you was, but you're still to come. We don't get this. It, it's, it takes revelation. And... Uh, Revelation 2, the words of the first and the last. He's the first word and he's the last word. In the beginning was the word. And at the end, the word will have the final word. It, he died and he came to life. Which, like, wait, God died and he came to life. And because he died, we died with him. Because he came to life, we come to life with him. Jesus and I love this, and this will continue to increase until we get Revelation 21, 6, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and he said to me, it is done. I mean, it's been transformed to what it means to be. It's this Greek word that means something that becomes. It is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, because he made the payment. So the second thing about the kingdom of God is that to understand it is that the last days began with Jesus and Pentecost 
And since then, we're living in the last days. So everything we read about the last days applies to us. And the great and terrible day of the Lord will come at the end of the last days, and it'll be great for us and terrible for the world and those who don't know him. Number three, the age to come in this age are now separated by a very thin veil that has been torn from the top to the bottom. So we're, we live in this age and in the age to come. If you're a born-again believer and you're seeking the kingdom of God, it brings you into. The fourth point is that every element of the end is present or available in every breakthrough of the kingdom. That means they're not all there, but they're present. I mean, they're not all expressed, they're not all, but they're available. They can be touched. It's, in Hebrews, it talks about we've tasted of the powers of the age to come. Every, in every encounter you have with God, every time the Holy Spirit is on you, that all of the Holy Spirit is on you. There's part, you know, and we're making room in our hearts, minds, spirit, and soul for more of that expression. And so every revival is an intervention of God on a, on a large scale. So we're in a time of revival. You know, judgment, the day of judgment occurred on the cross for the devil and the world, but it will still occur. It's still conquering everything that was that was uh, provided for. So it's just, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we're in the kingdom, but there's a lot more that we haven't even touched, you know? It's like we've got, how many, have you ever, like, we, you know, we know immigrants, there's immigrant communities, they come into, say they come into America, not, and, but they, you know, they still live like they're in the old country. You get, I mean, so they're kind of like in two worlds. We're in two worlds. We've been brought into this amazing world, but if we don't understand all that we have and all that we have access to, we'll still live like we're in the old country. And so come out of that into what's been available. So, um, you know, and when revival comes, there's intervention. God is intervening on a large scale to wake up, to stand up, to sh- shine forth from the church, the, the, which is the temple, being built into the temple of God. And so when we personally have experiences like ecstasy, tongues, prophecy, healing, shaking, falling, weeping, I've been weeping, like it's not characteristic, but I've, I've, and I'm so thankful I've been weeping for a few months, I don't know how many months, but any little thought about God, any little thought about the cross, any little thought of any remembrance of my terrible sin before I knew God and any thought of my stupidity since I've met him, I just start weeping. I've said, God, we're singing your goodness is running after me. I'm like, yeah, come on, catch me. You know, I'm not running from you, you know. I'm running to that goodness that's running to me. And, and, but what is, it's all intervention that brings about transformation over and, it, and more of us gets filled with more of him, you know. And, it, and I think, why do we shake? Why do we laugh? Why do we fall? Why do we weep? As interesting, when I was in uh, New Mexico last week, Trista Lamb, you know, as people, want, they wanted me to pray. And actually, I, I was unaware of the, the power that was in the room, basically, you know, I was talking, I thought, well, it's okay, I hope they aren't disappointed. 
And so they all come up for the altar call. I'm just telling you the truth. That's how, that was the feeling. I know better, but it was the feeling. And so I'm just praying more and more and more or whatever I was praying. And, and I'd get some insights. So Trista Lamb falls down, and it's like, okay, it's no big deal. People fall down, and I, I keep going. But later she told Paul, she said, I've, I've been slain in the spirit a few times before, but I've never shaken like that. And I'm still, she was still shaking hours later. And she said, and I've never had revelation, but ever since I fell down, I'm getting all this revelation. And so it, this is nothing to do with me. This is an intervention of God. But God uses you where you go. You're carrying something that you're not even aware of because it's a mystery. And when you open your mouth or you lay hands on people, when you say things, when you pray for the sick, even though you may feel nothing, the kingdom of God is present. Do you understand? Like, we don't know who we are, so we, don't, we just act like we're in the old country. Come on. All right. So the, but anyway, this helps us understand church history, which just bears witness to accelerated interventions. It's the proper framework for understanding world missions, you know, that it starts. He tells the disciples, you know, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, which is like home missions. They're going to their family, their friends, their relatives, the people they know. You'll go to Samaria, which is like neighbor country uh, and crossing ethnic lines to people they didn't necessarily like, and then you go to the ends of the world, and he's talking about world, you know, like foreign missions. And isn't that amazing that in one sentence, Jesus just covers thousands of years of, of the future. And so, thank you, Jesus. But the thing is, it helps us understand, we live between victory and triumph. You know, he's already had the victory at the cross, but he's leading us in his triumph, and one day he'll be triumphant over every foe, and we'll be there. Shakaba, it's good, you know? And so, um, thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to finish on time if I can, and I'd like to finish, so. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's missions. But here's, like, even our own Christian life is best understood by this already, not yet context. Did anybody think after you became a Christian that you became kind of weird? And some people are legitimately, like, you know, God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. But sometimes we're not weird because we have weird, like, social skills or weird quirks or mannerisms, although sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit was on us for a few years. I remember I would, I'd be talking and I'd get these little, like, jerks and I didn't like it. And, uh, uh, but it's, which I'm not mocking that, but I, I just, you know, it's just crazy. But our, you know, not our Christian life is within the kingdom and it gives meaning, you know, like we're here. You know, and we're almost here, and we're delayed, and we're future-oriented people, right? Like, all at the same time. We're saved, but we're being saved, because we're getting set more and more free, and we ultimately will be saved completely, you know? Like, you ever say, like, our redemption draws nigh, you know? It's kind of like, okay, finally. And we're holy, but we're being made holy, and we will be holy as he is holy. You know, and it's, it's this progression. We live between the times. 
So we're like an already not yet people. And, and inside you and inside me, two ages coexist. This current fallen age and the age to come. And, and so we're simultaneously in the world because we're ambassadors for Christ. But we're not of the world because we're, we're, sent, we're heavenly people. It's like, wow. And so the world around us lives in one dimension, which is sometimes why they, why they think we're weird. Other times we are weird and we should stop being weird for weirdness sake, but just be godly and that's weird to the world, okay? The, so, you know, but it's mysterious to people who can't see it. Like, what's going on? Why do they do? Like, honestly, some, like some people that we knew, when we were young Christians, they came to the Lord because we didn't go to the party after the wedding, but we drove five hours to go back to, so we could be at church on Sunday morning. And this Jewish girlfriend of my old, one of my old college buddies, she just said, why would they do that? And it, and it, got, it got her, you know? And Ann was talking to her about she was Jewish and Jewish are God's chosen people and all this. It was great, you know, seeds, but it, it kind of, Process and process and process and finally Pete said, "Well, I don't know. I have this friend named Ridge, Ridgely, who's was also Jewish, and he's been going to this church. So he said maybe you should call him and go to that church with him. So she did, and she got saved there. And then she got she got radically saved. And a few minutes later, uh, Dick Mills' son David uh, was attending this church, and they got married. You know, and they had kids. And then it's like like you're carrying stuff you don't even know." And the difference between you and the people in the world is noticeable. Just saying. Jesus. And so we are becoming what we already are, right? We're born again into the powers of the future age. We have eternal life, and we have, we've tasted of the powers of, li- of the life to come. Not just once, but regularly. Okay, so finally, stand up and... Uh, I, I just want to say this. This gives us an understanding of ministries like healing. So, um, you know, why are some healed and others not? Why does healing happen some of the time, but not all the time? Does that ever bug you? Have you ever wanted to quit praying for people because you prayed for, you know, I prayed for 10 people, nobody got healed? It's amazing uh, a man came to me from the first service. He had, he had done this for 10 years, never had a healing, and he told God three weeks ago he was here, that he told, told God he was gonna quit. And, and you know, just figured, I'm, I'm letting you know, obviously you haven't gifted me, I'm just not gonna waste my time. And, uh, but the next week after he told God he was gonna quit, he met a guy who wrote a book. And I, I, I can't remember, the guy's called The Healing Medic. So he reads this book, and he does the steps that God gives him in the book. And after that, he said, the people he prayed for got healed. And then, and then the people that got healed that he prayed for, prayed for other people just like he prayed for them, and they got healed. And, and, he, and he, was, he was all full of tears. I'm going, yes. Do you know Heidi Baker prayed for 60 blind people before one was healed? What if she quit at 57? Like, you know, that's kind of... And you know, but here's the great thing, it's breakthrough. It's breakthrough, and so sometimes when you're with someone who's had a breakthrough, you're like a guy you know, riding a, a racing bike and you, you're drafting behind a big truck. 
you know, you just get caught into that same breakthrough. So I was in Malawi a few years ago, and, uh, you know, I knew about this, and, and so I was there preaching with Roland, and I think Stevis, Stevis Palmer definitely was on this trip, and it was, we were having a lot of fun, and this blind guy comes crawling up to the stage, you know, like, and, and I say, hi, what are you praying for? And he's like, you know, pointing at his eyes. So I prayed for him, and God healed him, you know. Now, I wouldn't, I think he might, I mean, there might have been one other blind person, but do you understand, I felt like I was in Heidi's breakthrough, you know, and this happened. So I was with Bill Johnson on Thursday evening and Saturday morning, and it was a very sweet time, and he, 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 would, he preached on Thursday night at, at the conference, and he said, right, to, tonight is the nine-month anniversary of Benny's homegoing. And so Benny prayed for people healing. Bill prayed for, you know, they've seen thousands of people healed. But Bill, in it, he said, I made a decision when she passed away. The family was together. And when she breathed her last, I had the whole family. Let's stand up. Let's make a circle. And let's lift our hands and thank God for the privilege of knowing him. How good he is, how faithful he is. And you understand, that's a breakthrough. Again, we, we can't, you know, well, why isn't it all the time? I don't know. It will be one day, but we walk by faith, not by sight. So we keep doing it. Do you get it? Is this helping you? So sometimes we place, you know, we, we place too much emphasis on the role of believing either our faith or the faith of the person we're praying for, and we're trying to explain it. And some of it is just that, it's here, but it's not yet at 100%. And some, some people, I know some people have done meetings where 100% of the people in the meeting got healed. And usually they're pretty small meetings. I mean, maybe under 100. But that's really significant and worth celebrating. But if the next meeting they go to, only 5% get healed. They're not going to quit praying for people for healing. It's, John Wimber called it the dancing hand of God. It's just that this, the, the kingdom is here, but it's not completely here. And we're carriers of it, and we're heralds of it. <laughs> Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And people crucified him. Do you understand? It's like the suffering has purpose. Your pain is pregnant with power. And your, the, your, our response in the defeats are as important as our response in the victories. So in the middle of the defeat, we just bow our knee and say, God, you're God, and we're not, and we believe you, and we believe every promise in the book, and we're not going to quit. And when you say you're not going to quit, that's announcement of doom to the darkness. They're like, oh, dang, man, that took a whole lot to get that done. You know, and sometimes, I mean, God is sovereign, so it's not like he's surprised by any of this stuff. But we're not going to quit, right? Okay. Help me. Okay. So... The truth is, whenever someone is healed, it bears witness to the fact that the kingdom is here. And whenever someone is not healed, it bears witness to the fact that the kingdom is not yet here. It's here, but it's not, it's still coming. And whenever, you know, and we grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in faith and expectation and availability. And so we, you know, we don't get discouraged. I mean, we, you know, on a human level, we get 
discouraged, but we encourage ourselves in the Lord and say, God, I'm going to keep going for this until I see it. And if I don't see it, my kids will see it. My grandkids will see it. And I'm, I'm working on breakthroughs for people I haven't even met. Come on, Jesus, help us. The veil has been rent. Anything is possible at any moment, including, you know, deliverance and healing and raising the dead. And so I just encourage you, we, when we pray, it's, we're not in unbelief, but we hang loose about ourselves. You know, this isn't all about you or all about them. It's just like we're asking God to heal. Did we you say that? I mean, it's so easy when people get healed. You say, it wasn't me, it was God. And we know that. But when they're not healed, we're just saying, well, uh, sorry, <laughs> come back another time. I'll pray for you again. You know, it's like, we're going to get this. We're getting the breakthrough. Jesus. And, and so delayed answers and things that are not yet here, it's all part of the kingdom. But we know that you have access to everything in the kingdom. And, we, and it's by faith and patience, which is this kind of like, I am going to stay after this, that we inherit the promises. Okay, so I'm, I need to pray for you and let you go. And I, how many would love to have more grace in moving and healing? I just want you to raise your hands. Okay? Now, let's back up because we, we want to include everybody. Because maybe some people say, I don't, just, I don't have passion for that. So I want you to put your hands kind of like this. And the Holy Spirit is here. First, we're going to pray, pray this, and then we'll, we'll work on the healing specifically. Holy Spirit, we want you to saturate and possess us. We, we are your temple. We are the temple of the living God. This great mystery, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with your holiness. Sanctify us. Convict us of things that are messing up your temple. Clean us, Holy Spirit. Give us insight and revelation and increase our faith. Shakaba, Holy Spirit, you are so good. You're so real. You, you show us the Father and the Son. We ask you, ask that the weight of your presence become familiar. We pray that your burning zeal fill our hearts, that you would cause us to burn, that you would tenderize us, God, you'd break off shells and blindness and you would free us from every idol and every vain thing that distracts us from the main thing that we would be continually seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness oh we worship you God just increase your presence in our home your holiness in every conversation our awareness of you and the disciplines we have of what we allow to enter our lives and our homes in Jesus' name.
guide us, keep us out of temptation, deliver us from evil. <laughs> Ooh, Holy Spirit, just do this. All right. You feel, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I know some of you can. If you can't, it doesn't mean he's not there. It's just we have different perceptions. Some people see more colors than others. Some people hear more notes. Some people sense things. It's good. We're all different. God likes it. Now, if you want more power, more grace for healing, more faith for healing, I want you to raise your hand. So here we go. So Holy Spirit, we want more. We want more of you. We want more grace, more power, more boldness to open our mouths and pray for the sick and know that it doesn't matter how we feel, it matters who's in us and what we're carrying. God, we pray that you would anoint our hands and that, that we would live empowered lives. We pray that when we pray for our children, they would be healed. We pray for all the parents that when they lay hands on their children, their children would, would feel your peace and experience your healing and grow up to believe that you can do anything. Pray for all the grandparents. <laughs> More grace, more power, more faith, God, that even break through generational confusions into glory. God, we pray our homes would be filled with joy and laughter and healing. We pray for this. And we pray that when we meet the sick and we lay hands on them, they would experience healing. They would experience your presence. If your healing's not instant, that they would know they've had an encounter, that there's been a, an intervention of God in their life. They would carry it and be completely healed as they go away in Jesus' name. God, give us faith, increase our faith that we would never give up. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, It will spread. It will spread. You know, I mean, if you read Mark, the first few chapters, Jesus went once he was baptized, and there would be healing and proclamation of the kingdom of God. There would be deliverance, proclamation of the kingdom of God. There were, it just, it goes with it. So God, we just pray, empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I better let you go, and uh, I, I have too many more stories to tell, and it would wear you out. But I, so if you need to go, I want to bless you. But then I want to say, if you need healing, please come forward. There is grace here to heal, to deliver, to set free, to bring revelation. Amen. So may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face, his shining presence fill your life. May you know his grace, that you're in grace. <laughs> you're in grace. And may you know he's, he's smiling at you, waiting for you to pray. And may his shalom be upon you as you bear the name of Jesus, Yeshua, the, into the world. Amen. God bless you.